And then he decided. Yeah, yeah. He's a very <laughs> smart boy. <laughs> All right, Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another interview with Jason and Mick. We are joined by Paul Taylor. How are you today? I'm good. I'm I'm very well. I, you know, weird times, and I am uh, grateful, and uh, I'm luckier than many. So, I only I only ever say I'm good. I'm fine despite the pandemic you know so yeah happy i'm happy actually i just bought a new car i mean i'm don't hate me <laughs> new to so, me love it you've yeah. got a lot of stuff coming out in the next two years you're either in really? production completed filming or pre-production that's awesome man yeah yeah it's been uh you know it, things are really chugging along Till 2020 kind of went, but I still worked on a couple things. Like I was on a film set for uh, something called Enslaved by Ducks, uh, a comedy that um, uh, Patricia, um, oh, the mom on Everybody Loves Raymond. <clears throat> she's one of the producers, so she's my new best friend. But anyway, I had I had my time on the set and uh, – and then the next week they were closed down because of COVID. And then, and that was in last March. And then um, also played a, the, the lead thoracic surgeon in a, a film called Reagan um, about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> no comment. But um, he, uh, yeah, two days after I got off that set, this is not what you asked, but this is what I'm talking about. Two days after I got off that set, one of the producers called me and said, well, unfortunately, even though we took all of the precautions, because this was the middle, this was like, I don't know, from May, June, July, August, you know, it was, you know, things were not good with COVID. So, but they took all the SAG cautions, everything, precautions and stuff, everyone getting tested every other day and blah, de, blah, de, blah. He calls me and he says, unfortunately, on the day that you worked, which is two days before that, the director tested positive for COVID. It turned out 19 people tested positive. So I dodged that bullet, man. But yeah, I, I, I was busy. And then also I shot a thing I'm sure you've heard of called Butcher's Bluff, which, which is um, a horror film. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. Uh, uh, William Instone wrote and, uh, well, he directed it. Did he write it? I don't remember right now. But he also plays the Hogman, which is like a new 80s. Um, it's like a throwback 80s slasher film. I'm playing a, a Texas sheriff, which is new for me. And, you know, I don't play a lot of... Uh, I won't say he's a he's a redneck because I, I'm not really believable as a redneck much. <laughs> but, um, but, but sort of that, you know, just sort of that flavor of Texas Sheriff, and that was kind of fun. Um, 
So, and that was during the, during 2020 as well. So, so that stuff, um, those three things happened during the pandemic. And then there was some stuff I worked on before that um, hasn't yet come out yet, hasn't yet come out yet, yet because, because uh, of COVID. So there have been um, some other things too. The, the proudest, my proudest work is for a, a drama called White Tail, which um, is strictly a drama. It's uh, the largest role I've ever had. And um, it's a thriller drama, family, emotional, oh, it's a roller coaster, but there's a lot, there's it, and it gets really gritty and gruesome at the end. I mean, there's some murders and stuff. And, um, really excited about that. It's probably gonna be released in drive-ins first. Although I've seen it at a drive-in and it didn't, I didn't think it really worked at the drive-in, but they're gonna do that just cause they wanna get it out there, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. They want, and they want to, they want to do festivals. You know, I can't keep up with with release dates and stuff. But yeah, I've been, I've been, um, I've been really lucky. I've been busy, and I've had a lot of auditions lately uh, because you know I'm in Texas, which is of course just south of Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has has it going on. They have a lot of films going on because the governor. Awesome. Yeah, they have excellent uh, filmmaker tax. Uh, rebates in the program in in their state. That's where I shot Hellraiser Judgment. I mean, of all places. So, uh, so yeah, I'm glad I'm close close to Oklahoma. And I never thought I'd you know be that thrilled about being close to Oklahoma. But but uh, there are reasons. Yeah. I got to yeah. take you back though, because I'm still caught up on Enslaved by Ducks. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. What is what is this film about, and how does one become enslaved by ducks? Well, it's based on a on a book, a comedy book. I, I guess it's. Kind of, I haven't actually read it. I only had one day on the set playing it. A great little guy. I mean, funny little character. But um, it's about a couple who I don't remember exactly what happens, but it's a true story, and they buy an animal farm. They buy a duck farm. They buy some sort of farm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's based on a book, and I auditioned for a role, and I got it, and I played the role. You know, I really, I mean, the thing I'm most excited about was that I got to, um, that I got to uh, meet, um, why can't I think of her name? Oh, my God. <laughs> Patricia, who played the mom on... Um, right? Is it Keaton? Heaton, thank you. Of course it is, Patricia Heaton. So um, she loved me, and she's like, "So do you ever get out to LA?" I'm like, "Well, I'd like a reason to." So yeah, I'm gonna come out there. I would have already been out there now if uh, if what was going on wasn't going on. But right now, it seems pretty silly. So um, I plan to spend some serious time out there once once it's safe to travel. You know, I met you once at. Um um, what's the name of the con? Horror Hound in Cincinnati. Oh, that was a great one. That was fun. I, I was I was right next to Michael. The hills have eyes. Michael Barron. Thank you, Barryman. Yeah, and the guy who and the guy who bought 
the, <clears throat> the costume, James Azil, who bought, who is with the horror, <clears throat> what's it called? Horror props and paraphernalia collectors association. I don't know. He sent me his book because I'm in it now. So he bought my, my pinhead costume. So he had it there on display and we did a little photo op where I wore it with a Fozzie hat, you know, Fozzie from the Muppets. Cause it just seemed appropriate somehow. Yeah. The horror hounds are my favorite cons to go to. Oh, it was great. It was yeah. fun. Cincinnati. It was nice. And they really, they took lovely care of me and stuff. You know, that was, that was a few years ago, huh? That was like four, three years ago. Yeah. Probably, probably three, maybe two. Yeah. yeah. Was that all? I don't know. Time flies when you're not doing anything. Well, Paul, how does it feel? I mean, you, you stepped right into like an iconic character like that. I'm sure you get this question a lot, but like, what, what, what were some things? Have you talked to Doug Bradley when you stepped in and like, you know, kind of, you know, I know as an actor, you know, you make the character yourself, but like, did he give you any advice when you stepped in or anything like that? No, by the time, um, <clears throat> I'd already shot the film when I met him. Uh, and I didn't talk to him before. It, it was not comfortable. It was not a comfortable setting I came into. Um, and only because Gary Tunnicliffe and Doug Bradley were not exactly besties when I got the part. Mm -hmm. And because Gary had originally written the role for Doug. He wanted it to be Doug's last Hellraiser film. He wanted to direct him in it. Um, maybe he actually wanted to play the auditor, but he, he said, he says, he says he came up with that idea later. So I don't know, but, um, uh, but he did play the auditor. He ended up playing. it. So when I, you know, some things led to Doug rejecting the role before he read the script. And then there was some crap online and they were just like, oh, this, as if it were like this huge bitter feud. I don't know exactly what it was. It was just like, they, they weren't. They weren't great friends. So, of course, I had to get past that. Um, and, you know, your question, there, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot to it. Because what it felt like was freaking amazing to get the part. Um, because Pinhead has always been my favorite 80s horror icon. I mean, ever since the 87 when I saw it, where did I see it? In Wichita, Kansas, I'm sure, somewhere in Kansas. Um, yeah, because I was still in, no, maybe I was in Dallas. I, anyway, it doesn't matter. Who cares? I saw it in a theater and, uh, you know, like many people, Pinhead appears and it's just like, whoa, what is that? That's freaking, there he is. There's Doug. That, that was great. This was a wonderful, this picture you're showing right now. This was a wonderful thing. Um, you know, all this. All this stuff had been reconciled by the time that picture was taken. Gary and Doug had pretty much uh, gone, you know what, do your thing, and you do your thing, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, and, you know, I don't know who said actually I'm sorry, but anyway, it, everything was fine. A few weeks before that picture was taken, which was, of course, at um, Texas Frightmare, um, Doug's partner called me. No, she texted me, and she said, look... We're going to be at the same convention, and um, it would be really great if we could just put anything behind us that has transpired before. If you have any ill feelings, if Doug has, you know, and we didn't. Neither one of us had a problem with each other. 
we were pinhead and pinhead, but, but I, I did, but at the same time, it is kind of Doug's turf. I mean, it's his role. Um, but uh, that night or maybe the next day we had, uh, I Skyped with her and for, we talked for like an hour, an hour and a half. She's an artist. They live together. And uh, then Doug came upstairs um, from the basement or maybe he came downstairs. To the, I don't know. Anyway, he came from another floor to say hello to me. And we chatted for a little while and it was like lovely. And, and then I, this was the 30th anniversary of the original Hellraiser. So the, that's why Doug and Clyde Barker and three of the original Cenobites were at Texas Frightmare that year. And that's probably mm -hmm. also why I was there as well, because a new pinhead, a new pinhead, whatever you want to say, there's a difference. But uh, <laughs> um, so I went to a screening of uh, Hellraiser because I knew that they were going to be there. And so I met them the night before the con started and uh, they had a Q&A before the movie because they had the Q&A and then they leave. You know, they've seen the movie enough. So I'm there. And uh, I'm sitting, we've already met in the bar because I, I was there with my friend and when they came in and it was like, oh my God, we got a table for a short time and then we chatted a bit. And then, um, God, I love Barbie Wild. Uh, she's, she's wild. She was the, the, she was Deep Throat, you know, the, the second female Cenobite. She is a hoot. So um, they're all a hoot actually, all of them. But um, uh, so, they have a Q&A, then they, they, they ask for Q. So I raise my hand and I ask a question. I didn't ask, I just raised my hand. And I asked my question. And it was about what Doug's favorite um, play was. If someone was going to, because he and Clyde Barker were, you know, they, they were mates. They, they, they met in grade school, I believe. But they were friends for years and years and years and years and years. Um, obviously, that led to some good things. So, um, so I they had a theater company and Clive wrote the plays and Doug was in most of them and uh, maybe all of them. And I, and I said, you know, what, if someone were going to produce a Clive Barker play, what would be the one that you would, would, what's your favorite? Which one would you like to see produced the most? And he said, does everyone here know who's asking the question? And I'm like, Oh, cool. So he, he says, this is Paul Taylor, your new pinhead. And he had me stand up and read it. It was so nice. It was kind of like a passing of the torch. It was, it was just lovely. He didn't have to do that. And it was, it was really so cool of him. So then the rest of the weekend, we were just, you know, we, we, were, we hung out. I hung out with them. And I got to meet Cl Clyde Barker. And it was, uh, it was really thrilling. Um, but to actually play the role, to inherit the role, was... Um, it was a daunting task. It was surreal. It was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. There I am. Um, I got a new costume design, as you can see. Um, and uh, I... To be turned into that monster, that classic Hollywood monster, by makeup professionals, just... It was, it was a dream come true. Um... I've always been a huge horror fan, and when I was a kid, I wasn't into horror because that's I was a I was I was very sheltered. Um, but Halloween was oh my god was always my favorite day, favorite week, favorite month. October was always my favorite month um, because of Halloween. Love it so much, and I, I would. Once I saw my first horror film, 
I had a Halloween party that same year. That's when I did this really weird thing. I had pantyhose pulled over my mom's pantyhose pulled over my face and I had a hunchback and I did so weird. I just, it kind of like, it came, it became where, and I did this repeatedly year after year after that. Um, I had to be scary, grotesque and unrecognizable. And then here I am 30, 40, 50 years later, getting, being turned into this, monster who i've loved since 87 you know just 1987 that's what i mean um it was crazy it was wild and i yeah i did i did um at one point because gary and i had a discussion about making it my own and also it's a different period in pinhead's life um or existence if it's not if it's whatever his presence in the world um He's older, he's more dated, you know, disappointed with how things have, tur- have turned out. And, and he's um, just kind of, you know, sitting on his throne, listening to sc- screams of pain and enjoying it. But at the, at the same time, it's like, well, what are we going to do? Um, hmm. So that alone, the script alone kind of helped. But, but getting to the place where I was a god, at least, I mean, Pinhead has great arrogance. And um, in a way, he is a god. Um well, you know, demons to some, gods to others, uh, angels to others, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, gods, demons, angels, they're all related. So uh, it was just, um, it was wild. It's such guess, a beautiful yeah. thing the torch, too. It really uh, is. Like, he did a fantastic job. I know. He didn't have to do that. And the whole weekend, he was just lovely to me. No, I just mean in general of like you taking over, like you, you, it's it should be you, you did such a beautiful job. Like the passing of the torch really it works. Like it, you you fit that role. Thank you. I was I, I'm I'm lucky that I did. You know, um, there have been others, not only as Pinhead but also as as other classic, especially '80s horror icons, who fans completely reject. And um, that's I. I I'm sad for them. Um, maybe I'm not quite as sad for the guy who did Revelations because if he'd been really good, then I mean, I didn't say that. If he'd been accepted with open arms by more fans, perhaps he would have also done Judgment, and I wouldn't have. But um, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen next. If that's one of your questions, am I going to? I have no idea what's happening with me as Pinhead. I have no idea. Did That'll, you meet? Did you meet Jay Gillespie? Who's Jay Gillespie? It says here he played Pinhead in Revelations. And oh, so he's, did he's Stephen Smith Collins. Yeah, he uh, Jay Gillespie did the voice. Stephen Smith Collins was the face of Pinhead. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, you know, one thing I want to ask about... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Too. You were in one of my favorite indie films, um, superhero indie film. I knew you were going to say super. Isn't that a I, cool movie? I love that movie so much, and it stands out in so many fantastic ways. Uh, and I you did my, such a great job in it. I love my role. I love my role. It's so quick. I have one line, and it's like, oh, my God, it's hilarious. I went to that, you know, I got to meet James Gunn in the, in the, in the, call, in the audition room at the callbacks, and I wore these 
weird eye distorting glasses, you know, just like, cause you know, I mean, this is, it's not Mike judge. Now I'm confusing my people completely. Mike judge is a completely different thing. He's the director where almost all the characters have glasses and it really, you know, it's great. <laughs> so never mind. Forget I even brought that in. Cause I once got a callback for office. No, for, uh, I had a callback for, um, uh, idiocracy and god i wanted that part so bad i didn't get it anyway um but yeah um i i wore these weird glasses and i just had real high-waisted pants and this short sleeve gross maybe plaid shirt and had my hair slicked back i mean i was basically no i look like a i look like a child molester except well in a way i was a child molester except it was not a molestation it was just abuse but um you know some religious fanatic crazy person <laughs> spanking baby rain wilson i loved it you know what he's it's and it's the, he's the catalyst you know for like yeah. what becomes so that and getting pissed on by the kids in school and <laughs> also um I got to sit next to Liv Tyler in the makeup trailer. It's like, oh my God, you know, she's, she's, she's flawless. She's truly flawless. And, um, and I got to meet Rain Wilson. So that was cool too. So that's awesome. Yeah. It was so funny. They put a book. <laughs> I think there were that, that kid had a lot of padding so I could really go to town on his butt. That sounds so <laughs> dirty. <laughs> I went to town on that kid's ass. <laughs> You're also so now you told us you were in Reagan and uh, mm -hmm. you were in another uh, fairly huge uh, uh, presidential movie, W. Well, there's a story. <laughs> I get residual checks. Let's just say I do get residual checks for that. Um, <laughs> I got cast as a religious figure. I think the character had a real name. I'm not sure if he did or not, but he's having a meeting with Ronald. I mean, with uh, with W at some point, and uh, they're discussing what W's going to do. And I don't remember what what happens in the scene. So, I have this scene. I go and I uh, I, I go for I go for uh, a rehearsal. I never I I drove to Shreveport because that's where it's shot. I've, I'd already met Oliver Stone, but I got to meet the other stars of the movie and stuff. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Elizabeth Banks and yeah, Brolin. And anyway, so we have my rehearsal, but I'm in rehearsals. I mean, I'm in rehearsals for, I have a dress rehearsal for, um, I think we were doing Bent. I'm not sure which one. I, I was doing a play in Dallas. So we had dress rehearsal that night in Dallas, and I had been assured that I would be able to get back to Dallas. But so I was a little antsy about it, not realizing that, look, Oliver Stone is here. I think that you'll be fine if you just are late to dress rehearsal or don't even make it to dress rehearsal. You need to be here for this. He wants you here. You need to be here. So so I'm a little antsy. And I mean, just, it was taking forever because it was taking people, you know, they were they it was like their first day to arrive in Shreveport and Oh, I love you. I haven't seen you in forever. Blah blah blah. All this blah blah blah. Chatty chatty chatty. And I'm just sit there, sitting at the table, just waiting to. Can we just read the scenes? So I can go. Um, and the uh, first AD or whoever was in charge um, at one point said, "Well, you can leave if you want to." I'm like, and the way he said it, oh, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not, not going to leave. So I stayed for the rehearsal. 
but I did still, I don't know. I, I, I was nervous. I needed to leave. I was, these big stars were at the table with me. I, it, it was a big deal. So I, I got, I got back to Dallas. I was late to Anyway, a couple weeks later, my agent calls me and says, well, Paul, they gave you a different role. I'm like, okay. So, um, they gave me the role of reporter number four. Now this was fantastic because in this scene, um, W is talking about the educational system and I don't remember exactly what he's saying, but at the end of the line is something like, and we don't want to just suckle them on through. And my character, it's only one line, my reporter, we're at a, we're at a, uh, you know, a press conference and I turn to another reporter and I go, did he just say suckle? And I'm like, I just got a great line. I just got a fucking hilarious line. Maybe it was just, did he say suckle? Anyway, it was the word suckle. It was funny. So I get there on the day of the shoot. It's changed. They, there's no longer, uh, there, it's no longer a press conference. Now it's, the Bushes are coming from this big white building where they just had a meeting. Now they're walking to their car. They are ambushed by reporters. I'm one of the reporters. There are three reporters now with lines and they're all just like swarming around him and shouting their lines out and stuff. And, and they're like, Paul, we don't need to be a reporter. You go stand over there with well-wisher number one. Now you'll be well-wisher number two. I didn't have any lines. So when you, this is a terrible, this is Hollywood though. This is the way, you know, this is the way it is. It's like, oh, well, what are you going to do? Um, Oliver, it was hot that day. Mr. Stone was very sweaty. He was probably in a bad mood because, you know, he, he likes to, you know, he wasn't comfortable. So anyway, so uh, the best part was sitting inside that, that in, sitting inside that air conditioned building with Elizabeth Banks. And I think Josh Brolin was there and, and listening to Elizabeth Banks talk about how hard it was now to exist because she was so famous and she had to, she had to, yeah, she had to like, oh, I felt so sorry for her. Oh, just felt, my heart just broke. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so um, when you see me in Delbia, I only do movies about Republican presidents. No comment. No comment. Um, so you, you're going to be in the Trump biopic? Is that what you're saying? I hope so. <laughs> oh, I hope so. No, it's funny because, I mean, I, the, the same thing. This is what's funny. The same thing, same kind of thing happened with Reagan. It's it's just, it's it's hilarious. I'm not supposed to say great lines in movies about Republican presidents. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that, and I'm not saying I'm, However I am, but you can probably take a guess and you might be right. But I'm like, I think all good lines are supposed to just be taken away from me in any movie that's about a, that's about a president. Actually, I could just say about a president because those are the only two I've ever done that were about presidents. But sorry, I kind of went off on that. But it's, it's a funny story. I still get the residual checks. But if you watch W and you're looking for me, all you'll see is... You don't even see the well-wisher. They cut the well-wisher's lines, so he didn't get a close-up. They didn't. There's not even a shot of them coming out the door of the building. It's them walking away from the building, and it's a, and it's just you see me, 
turning around. You see my little, I think I, I think I had a little bald spot. You see me turning around and shutting the door. That's all you see. And yet, I it was a SAG, it was, I was a day player, SAG contract, hotel, all that stuff. It was just like, okay, okay, I'll take it. That's all. And the line that was taken away from me in Reagan was, today, Mr. Today, Mr. Reagan, we're all Republicans, which is a famous line that actually was said by the uh, thoracic surgeon uh, who was who had just who was just about to remove the bullet from Reagan's body. Um, but I think the director was confused because we all had surgical masks on, and it was Dr. Benjamin Aaron's line. That's what I was playing. Okay. So I had two scenes. I had just a couple lines in each one. Well, just one in, when I was wearing a mask. And it, that was what the line was, which is a classic line and a great line. It would have been so good for my reel, you know, because it would have been a close up with Dennis Quaid. And so we get in there. Unfortunately, I was wearing a mask because this is the same director who had COVID two days later. So, um, uh, he points to another sur another surgeon who looks pretty much like me and no, no, he just kind of goes, okay, so Dennis, you say your line and Dennis said the line, not sure he ever said the line is written, but he said the line and uh, I'm sorry, I don't care. I'm telling tell that school, I don't give a shit. So, um, <clears throat> so he said the line and so then the, then he goes, and, Y'all say, I think he said y'all, and y'all say, today, Mr. President, we're all Republicans. And, and this other doctor says, today, Mr. President, we're all Republicans. And I'm like, and so I say it, today, Mr. President, we're all Republicans. And the director goes, no, no, he says that. I'm like, uh, oh, really? Okay, because in that case, I'm confused by the script. And he pulls out his script and he goes, oh, yeah, 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 some changes were made. And I'm just like, okay. I didn't raise a stink. I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. But you took my great line away. But later I was okay with it. Because I'm like, me saying that line, it's not right. That's all. That's what I'm going to say. It's just not right. So I'm not a big fan of uh, Ronald Reagan's. So um, <laughs> that's <how> it works. <laughs> reasons. reasons. You are a fan of demigods in hell that feed on pleasure and yes. not Ronald Reagan. And I think we can all be okay with that. Pinhead for president. Yeah, totally. Demigods. Oh, all right, yeah. I went off on that. No, I've never, guys are the first to hear all that stuff. That is <laughs> awesome. I, I, you know, I, I did enjoy your performance and you can tell there, there's a respect for that character. Like, and especially just in this interview, you can see there's a respect for that character, but in the performance for sure. Thank you. I had a great. Um, you are speaking of Pinhead, right? Not my performance. Yeah, yeah. W. <laughs> great, back, great back of the head work. Um, <laughs> Gary was very good at directing me in that. Um, you know, I mean, I already had an instinct for it, and I'd had uh, several weeks or maybe in a couple months to work on it, so I knew what I was doing. But <clears throat> when I was out in LA getting my head cast done um, for the, so they could do the the, the makeup. Gary showed me a scene from Star Wars, and it was a scene uh, with Moff Tarkin, which is Peter Cushing, and it's a scene with, uh, of course, Princess Leia. It's a scene that ends up with him destroying one of the two planets, and 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 one of them is her home. 
Alderaan. Yeah, Alderaan. Alderaan. Yeah. You know, that movie came out in 1977. Seven. I was working at the movie theater. I saw Star Wars so many times. I was so lucky. Oh, my God. I saw it so many times, the first Star Wars. So, you know, she she reaches forward and she goes, no. And Peter Cush and Moff says, Moff, I like to call him Moff. He says, um, they're far too trusting as he's walking away. And Gary just goes, there, that, there's your pinhead right there. That was it. So we had this shorthand, if I was making anything too big, not that you, it's kind of hard to make things too big with that much makeup on, but at the same time, it works the other way, that if you have that much makeup on, anything you move is going to be seen. It's kind of a, it was help, it helped, it was helpful for me to be subtle, but I still had to be more subtle, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But, um, so we had the shorthand, if things were too big, if I was too Shakespearean or whatever, the, uh, he would say, he'd come up to me and just throw it away, throw it away. We're going to do it again. Just throw it away, throw it away. And right before he's, he'd say, um, um, action, I would just say to myself, you're far too trusting. Action. Blah, blah, blah. I can't remember a single pin headline right now, but it was, uh, I was well directed. It's probably the most, some of the, it is maybe the most subtle film acting we've ever done. I don't know, but, uh, it's 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 a challenge because I'm really I started out a real you know like dang, 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 musical theater guy you know make them laugh um, completely different thing so I I I I want more than anything in my life to be a really good film actor and an excellent film actor because and I know that that. I have a lot to learn about it. I have a lot to learn about the business and I have a lot to learn about the actual skill and technique of acting for a camera. Cause it's, it is, um, it's the same in a way because there has to be truth. And, uh, but other than that, it's like, yeah, but it's the focus is, you know, your audience is this big and you're, this big as opposed to on stage where the audience is this big and you're this big. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hell of a curve, right? It's a curve. And I, and I'm, I'm part of me is kind of, it's nice to be this excited about it. Um, at this stage in my life. Um, although it would be nice to just already be, a very accomplished, established film actor as well, you know, with lots of big, big roles and a big name, but that, that'll either come or it won't. All I can do is uh, just keep doing it and focus on getting bigger, better, well, just better roles. They don't necessarily have to be bigger. They just, just, uh, but, uh, but at the, end, uh, hmm? the end of the day, I mean, yeah. many actors, it doesn't matter how big they are, can say they've played an icon. And he is an icon. It, isn't it wild? I When I first got the role, before we'd even shot it, one of my friends, one of my theater friends who I'd met in 86 or something when I first moved to Dallas and was doing the Rocky Horror show, 
um, I was in the chorus getting my insurance, getting my uh, equity weeks so I could join the, join the stage union, Actors Equity Association. While Kurt Rhodes was playing Frankenfurter and he was already an established actor in the, in the Dallas Fort Worth uh, theater community. Anyway, he's lived in New York for years now. I didn't need to tell you all that at all. You don't need any of those details. Anyway, I could just say an old theater friend of mine texted me and he simply said, congratulations on your instant cult status. And my, my, my brain just went, you know, it was like, whoa, no pressure. Um, <laughs> and then when I, the first night I arrived in Oklahoma, I was in the hotel I was supposed to start shooting the next day. I Google, I don't know, something popped up and it was a news story because, you know, the fact that the movie was, uh, the Hellraiser movie was being kept a secret. So Heather Langenkamp, who, you know, uh, had a cameo in that, um, uh, horror royalty, uh, uh, she had just let it slip. I Maybe she didn't know it was a secret. I don't know. She said, I'm in the next Hellraiser movie. So suddenly... The day before I start shooting, the fans are online going, what the fuck? Who's playing? Doug Bradley's not in this. Who's playing Pinhead? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, oh, no. I haven't even started. And I thought it was I thought I was okay with it all. And then I just had to be okay because, you know, what was I going to do? I'd done a lot of prep work. It's not, I, I wasn't going to freak out. But it's like, nice timing. Thanks. Thanks for that. Oh, well. Yeah, it all worked out. Remember, they hated Michael Keaton as Batman. He's the best one. Sorry. And the Batman. He's the best one. They hated Heath Ledger as Joker. Well, I love Heath Ledger's Joker. But also, Nicholson. So great. I don't love the quiet. 20 minutes or whatever the no dialogue of the the script of batman the last 15 20 minutes of it i'm like can somebody say something i just i want some people to speak it was just weird it was just weird to me but uh maybe this batman returns wait that was batman I recently watched both of them. I recently got them both on Blu-ray because I'm like, why don't I have these on Blu-ray? So, um, so I just recently watched them one in a row, one two in a row, um, and I have I have some opinions. I do have some opinions about. I don't really like Danny DeVito as the penguin. <gasps> oh my god! But he was brilliant. He, huh? It's an acquired taste, Danny DeVito. <laughs> I wanted some levels. We didn't get levels. We didn't get levels. We well. I just yeah. through the whole movie. It was like we got a weird penguin army. That's what we got. Down just for a, one scene. Anyway, whatever. He's playing an insane person. So you know, talk about <laughs> child abuse. Yeah, he was acting out. <laughs> But the design, his design, I mean, I love him in the first half of it. And then and then the last, I'm just like, oh, God, somebody kill him. <laughs> and then someone did. So, so let me uh, just kind of going off uh, Pinhead, since that is your iconic character. Um, 
if you had any, if you wanted to, could choose to take him anywhere, where would you take him next? I would actually, I would do a direct sequel to Judgment. I, I, I think that would be so cool. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but there was another scene written for Jophiel in Judgment. You know, the angel. She's back for for the last scene of the movie. She is in red. They even filmed it. She's in red robes and she's being indoctrinated into a very high position in the Catholic Church. So she's in on it. And I think she was she was in that position so that there could be a battle, you know, a battle royale of some sort. And there has to be a pinhead. So maybe she becomes pinhead. But but as far as my character's story. I mean, this is this is only if the Scarlet Gospels wasn't turned into a film. That would be like, yeah. you know, even with Doug Bradley as Pinhead, I'd be the, I'd be on board with that as long as they gave me a role as well. Um, <laughs> I'd even be on board for a Hellraiser remake with Doug Bradley as Pinhead as long as I got to play the uh, the <clears throat> guy who eats the bugs. What the <clears throat> you know uh, the 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 derelict. Well, maybe they'll turn Pinhead into a Republican, and uh, you will definitely be cast in that film. No, you know what I with the great. You know what I want Pinhead's story to be in a direct sequel to Judgment. I want it to start out that he's no longer poor. He's not a homeless person. He's been on Earth for a while, but he's taken all of his knowledge. He knows a lot now. He still likes pain. He has. He, he's either in politics, I haven't decided, he's either in politics or he has uh, a really serious S&M club, uh, that kind of thing. But he's, but whatever he's doing as his profession, he is doing everything he can to get back in that position as, as the, of the hell priest. So um, he's searching for a puzzle box. He's searching, searching, searching. And it's his search to find, to, to, to regain, to earn that position. And he's been knocked down a few pegs. So he's not arrogant anymore. He just wants it so badly. Cause his, uh, he, well, I don't know. Wanting to be a God. I don't know if that's arrogance. I think it's just, you know, natural. <laughs> it's a lot of humans have wanted to be gods. So anyway, I think it'd be really cool. And maybe Joe feel actually that maybe there's a female, uh, a pinhead for a little while, but then there's a this battle at the end and rah, between pinheads battle between two pinheads. Wouldn't that be cool? Ooh, that'd be yeah, it would be. So we'll see. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when the Weinsteins lost Everything, including the uh, the franchise, um, all those things that have been said to me on set uh, about my future in the franchise, kind of went bye bye, along with uh, Gary Tunnicliffe's future with the franchise. You know, it was just like we don't know who's going to be in charge next. We just know that we don't have personal relationships with them. So, so, uh, but I understand now that Clyde Barker owns the franchise. So. I, and I hear rumors that there's going to be a TV series. And I don't know. I have no idea. Until I get a phone call or an email or I'm on a set somewhere, I'll believe it. I'll believe it then. But until then, eh. 
I would love to see Pinhead or Freddy or Jason get the television treatment. I'd like to see one of those stories play out over eight to ten episodes. It really could. I mean, I bet it'll happen. It. I mean, Amazon, for God's sake, or uh, maybe Marvel. Marvel should own it. They can shoot it in Atlanta. <laughs> I, I mean, know. we're getting a Chucky TV series, so anything's possible. And, and I know Brad that's Dorf, Brad is doing the voice, right? Mm -hmm. My uh, my cousin dates Alex Vincent, if you've ever met him, who played I Andy. I met him at a convention a couple years ago, yeah. And, um, yeah, he's actively involved in it, too. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love Chucky. I've always loved Chucky. They need Tiffany, too. They need Tiffany. Hello? Yeah, they're all back for the TV show. It's a continuation. Nice. And what about what's the what's their child's name that did uh, the weird looking one? They were little Glenn or Glenda. It was Glenn. <laughs> that was so bizarre. Seed of Chucky was it was something. <laughs> but I love Bride of Chucky so much. I do too. It's oh got God. one of the best horror lines and or best lines in the movie where he says, "I'm all rubber, baby." I love it. Yeah, yeah. I have a really. I have a. Uh, high end Chucky uh, and Tiffany, they're like, I don't know, they're two feet tall, maybe. Because I, with glass eyes and all that stuff, I just, I love it. I love them so much. And she, I think they both talk. Yeah, they both talk. Mm -hmm. I think. I had, I had a Tiff uh, the Spencer's Tiffany that was like so tall, but I sold her at one point. I, I don't know. I was <laughs> disappointed. Mm -hmm. That's so, uh, Paul, where can everybody find you online? Um, uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, the real Paul T. Taylor. Because, you know, everybody wants to be me. So, of course, I had to do that. I'm at the real Paul. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. At the real Paul T. Taylor. Uh, I have um, a Facebook fan page, which is Paul T. Taylor. Uh, you can also just find me on Facebook as Paul Taylor. Uh, but that's my regular personal page. A lot of people go there anyway. And I'm like, I'll, you know, whatever. So um, Twitter, I don't really even do. I don't remember who I am on Twitter. I might be, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm mostly, uh, oh yeah. And my website where you can buy, you can buy autograph photos and stuff, but you can go to my website, uh, which is paultaylor.com. Okay. I'm going to jump on there and check out the uh, autographs for sure. Cool. Cool. It was such a pleasure talking to you. You too, you guys. This has been fun. I, I like the pod, the whole podcast idea that you just like, it doesn't matter what you talk about. Just talk, you know? Yeah. I mean, when stuff comes out, you just go like, well, this is just me. It's who I am when I'm a little bit a little bit elevated only because there's a camera, but, um, and, uh, but you know what I really miss those faces. Don't you guys miss faces? God, um, I miss people's smiles in public. <laughs> Nobody can smile at anybody else. It's all hidden now. Yeah. It's all crazy. this is so good. Yeah. Wait it's for staring. it. When you stare at somebody to see if it's really the person you think it is because they have a mask on. Those are fun. Yeah. It's so creepy. And, and, <laughs> Same time, you know, I mean, I, I always thought that I am kind of a loner and I kind of do hate a lot of people, but, but, <laughs> but, it, but 
this much loneliness is i don't know why i keep touching my nose it's not running or anything i don't know what i keep doing that that's awesome anyway it's a little itchy, it's a little itchy. um oh it's cocaine let's go it's a great big line before we started talking um yeah i don't know what i was talking about <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to put all the links to your stuff in the description below. Everybody, please check out Paul. Paul, thank you so much for getting back to me. Oh, I've been waiting for this interview. I, I love talking to people. Yeah. And so thank, you for, thank you for the time. And uh, everybody else, have a great night.